0: On this episode, data shows how human he's become by losing it at work. Picard acts rebellious to impress an older woman. Anthony Zerba learns that beauty can be fatal, and we find out what happens when you don't break up a two-part episode. I'm Captain Awesome. And I'm the Dribble Hippie. Welcome aboard. Grab a station and find something to hold on to. There are no seatbelts on the bridge. (laughs) Hey everybody, welcome to No Seatbelts. Uh, We're digging into the Star Trek universe. This time we're talking about the movie Star Trek Insurrection. Uh, Released December 11th, 1998. And uh, the second movie directed by Two Takes Frakes. His second and last of the franchise. So, previously, um, everybody's starting to feel a little bit funny after going down to the planet. They found out there's a hollow ship down there that's trying to steal everybody. And Picard's feeling really jazzy after pointing out the flaws on his Klingon friend's face. (laughs) So let's find out what Picard does next. (laughs) Now, he's starting to feel really, really good. So he tells the computer to put on Mambo Number 5 because he's feeling a little (laughs) bit freaky. He does a little dance around the... uh around his quarters and notice, <laughs> Hey, I'm looking pretty hot. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get dressed in my uniform. I'm going to beam down to the planet. I'm going to go to the house of that woman who is obviously not attracted to me. <laughs> knock on her door and say, how old are you? <laughs> okay. So I, I get it. It's not, you know, you complete me, but you know, it's, it's the move that he made and, and, and it actually worked. I gotta give him that. He's like, How old are you? And she's like, I got off the plane. No, no, that that's not what I asked. <laughs> and now we're going yeah. to learn that the hippies have a fountain of youth. Right. Which I mean, that's cool. I I'd hang out in that town. I heck, I'd be like, no, I don't need a I don't need an Xbox. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> Although, you know, for me, one of the things or one of the reasons that I want to live forever is to see what happens. And if the consequence of living forever is that nothing's gonna happen, <laughs> that kind of sucks. I know I can do nothing for an awful long time. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, wait. Nothing with no video games. Yeah,
1: yeah and I can still pull it no off.
0: movies, no TV. I mean I can do it but I don't know. I'm Although I guess if you live forever you're going to run out of TVs and movie, aren't you? I, I just I'm just thinking if these people have been living here in this village for 300 years, I don't even want to know the soap opera that's going on in the interpersonal relationships between all these people. Well, I actually I think they touch on that a little bit. Like I honestly one of the things that I think should have happened is he does ask her at one point how is it that you've lived this long and you've never been married? She should have been like, I've been married like seven times. <laughs> right? It's just not for me. <laughs> we keep trying and keep going, nah, eh, it's not really working. Because everybody here is a jerk. Right? <laughs> There's a certain point when you know everybody's business. We live together, <laughs> we live forever, but we're really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you tell me you first showed up and I kept on like answering everything in a snotty way. Yeah. We, that's pretty right. much. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> uh, you know how condescending we were? Yeah. We think so too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she's like, you know, look, um yeah, we live forever and it's cool and all, but not everybody likes that. So some people are like, no, I'm not living like this. I'm going to get out of here. Uh Which can you believe that might be some foreshadowing. <laughs> I wonder why she's talking about that. I uh, probably know. I don't know. It's super weird. That, that, that has no effect on anything. <laughs> and then we so, get, this of course, new, the great. The great, uh, first date scene of P- captain McCard, which, Oh my God. Okay. I, I get it. This was a way to do exposition, but seriously though, we've, I'm a TNG fan and I've been loyal and supportive for, 35 years now. Why were they so mad at me that they had to keep putting me through Picard first dates? Cause it happened over and over and over again. And he should know by now when he just randomly meets a woman on a planet somewhere and she's super into him, she's going to try to hurt him. She's bad. Like she's going to hide an idol in his room and make a bad deal with some Ferengi she's, she's gonna, you know, turn out to be somebody who lived a thousand years ago. And (laughs) I I mean, Oh my God, every one of his relationships are terrible. And I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of seeing John Luke on the Mac. I I just, you know, he, it's one of those things, you know, I get it. You're being charming, but I'm not the audience that you're going for. So I'm going to, I'm going to stand over here while you do this. (laughs) Well, at least this time he wasn't on Risa. So we weren't subjected to his bare chest and tiny shorts. (laughs) All too true. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of people on Risa. I'd like to see in tiny shorts. Jean-Luc Picard, not one of them. (laughs) Not one of (laughs) us. All right. But you know what? Somebody out there is like, yeah. (laughs) There's an audience for everything. You have a very good There is indeed. (laughs) So... Uh, he goes on his first date. Uh, he, he, you know, starts taking a walk. Um, have you ever noticed he never gets to the third date? Yeah. Yeah. Not, I, I don't think we've ever seen him get to the third date. I feel bad for him. His true love is I'm the hoping. Enterprise. Right. Well, I'm hoping he gets to the third date on the holiday. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what's ruining the Federation. The third date's on the holiday. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Nobody wants to be the one who has to clean out the bioscrubbers. <laughs> it's mostly used anyway. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so Picard starts in his whole thing of you know, history and my people says moving people off their land, you know, usually goes pretty bad. And I'm thinking, hey, dude, Journey's End, the Federation told you to uproot a bunch of people because hey, you can't live here anymore, and you had no problem with it. Uh, let's see. That's the Native Americans living in Cardassian space. Yes. I think they're just trying to forget that existed. <laughs> so I'm guessing he was feeling guilty and remembering that, but it just seems really odd that he's getting kind of all uppity about this. And is like, no, dude, you, uh, depending on the circumstances, I guess when you weren't encountering a an attractive woman that was interested in you, things were much, mm-hmm. much different. Right. I don't know. Um, She's going to give him a little speech about, you know, you youngins, you, you got (laughs) to learn to just chill, be a little more Zen, man. Cause you know, this world, it's, it's just a great place. And, uh, life's short. Well it's not short for me, but it's short for you. <laughs> <laughs> and and we start thinking about, now nah, I'm starting to figure out why they hit out in the Briar Patch because if you told Jim Kirk there was a world out there where women stayed young forever,
1: yeah, he would have right? spent
0: that five year mission looking for that planet. <laughs> That's right. You know why? Because he'd have been like, um, so, you're saying I get to keep my hair <laughs> forever I stay thin as well? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, think about it, though. Kirk was around when these people were only 200. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 He could, he very well could have stumbled across this planet and everybody would have looked pretty much the same except for the kids. And he'd have been like, hey, what's up? Who knows? Maybe he did. And they were like, yeah, we don't like technology. And he's like, oh, I'm out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right? Because he's got no moral quandaries whatsoever. He's like, nah, this isn't for me. <laughs> Let's go to Ryza. I, I do think that they tried to do the thing when uh, Picard was in, the th- in his quarters and he looks at his skin and he's like, I think they missed an opportunity here. They should have just done his hair progressively growing back until by the end of the movie, he had a small Afro. Right. It just, it, it just would have been, uh, yeah, it seemed like it's like, oh man, that, that, that just fits right into place. This would have worked so well. Oh yeah. yeah that's right. Patrick his, Stewart was a producer on this one. I guess they weren't going to get away with that. <laughs> but in all seriousness though, like if they were going to have him aging backwards like that, everybody else started going through like, pubescent kind of stuff. <laughs> Why didn't they give him hair? Yeah. Yeah. It, it seemed like <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe uh, Patrick was like, listen, I don't need to call any more attention to the fact that I'm bald. Let's just leave it alone. I can imagine him telling Friggs I wasn't going to wear the wig for Roddenberry and I'm not wearing it for you. <laughs> <laughs> If, any, so, if anyone doesn't know, there is actually a test screening of Patrick Stewart with a toupee because Gene Roddenberry really did not like the idea of a bald captain. Yeah, gross. <laughs> That's because Gene, Gene Roddenberry was horribly messed up in his head. <laughs> I, I like the universe he created, but, but yeah. I don't think I'd want to have dinner with him. <laughs> <laughs> not without washing my hands every five minutes. Right. <laughs> go Trump style, only eating from McDonald's. <laughs> so all of a sudden we're, we're back on the, uh, um, or no, no, we're back with the rest of the crew and Jordy can see this pisses me off. This pisses me off to a great extent. Please explain. Because it, because Jordy was born blind. Yes. He has said that on many occasions that he was born that way. So if this planet is affecting aging, he should not get his sight back. That is not moving backwards for him. That is fundamentally altering the way his body works. Which, if that that kind of mutation is possible, what other horrendous stuff is happening to everybody else? <laughs> you know, I always did have a, a slight problem with this, but I never could f- quite figure out why. Um, I know they hit hard the whole thing of the sunrise because in. Um, the naked now episode, he speaks about the fact that he's never seen a sunrise way other people do and goes on things. So I know they kind of wanted to build that bridge, but you're absolutely right. There was something about this that always did not stick right with me. And, and I think you nailed it. It, it, yeah. And it's too bad too, because it, it actually is a very touching scene. I gotta, I gotta admit, uh, it nearly brought me to tears when he was looking out over the horizon, and he had that the the tears running down his his uh, cheek. I was like, "Damn, that is that's good stuff." And I mean, it makes you think. Like, you know, if you'd never seen a sunrise before, it would be an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah, but and and excellently acted by LeVar Burton, of course, because LeVar Burton is a really good actor. He's freaking amazing. <laughs> but that so, also, that also puts a. Uh, gives us a little uh, skin in the game in that if if you don't if you don't go with us Jean-Luc look who will suffer right also um i got to imagine that aside from the you know little headache he had this had to be incredibly painful he's got implants yes yes that's so yeah like did they pop out like what what <laughs> happened <laughs> Like, I I just kind of assumed his eyes had been replaced with, with cybernetic eyes, at which point, like, did those pop out? And then he had to grow new eyeballs? Like, you. Yeah. yeah, and how quickly did those wow. eyeballs? Again, if eyeballs are going to grow fast, Jean-Luc should have hair. Right? <laughs> did Jordy did just walk around for two days with empty eye sockets going, oh, oh my god,
1: oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bah, So much wrong. Okay, enough of that. So, so we're back on the Enterprise. Picard, Doherty, Doherty, and Raufo have to talk. So they're on a Zoom call. And uh, oh no, they're in uh, they're in Johnny uh, Luke's. Uh, oh, that's right. They're physically there. That's, yeah, right. They're in, that's right. They're in his new ready room, which looks like a closet. I mean. Listen, he, I got nothing. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's smaller than his old one. Okay. I, ex- I can accept that, but it only has one small window and there's like three doors. So it looks more like it's a corridor rather than his ready room. Well, okay. So the truth is, is that one of those doors houses the rest of the room that also contains the fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has, so he has an anteroom to his ready room. Yeah. Uh, see, in the previous ship, he was always complaining to engineering that the, uh, the heater for that fish tank and the light were too hot and warmed up the rest of the room. So this time he got some input on redesigning <laughs> the room and he was like, we're going to put that in the room next door because I, you know, I love my fish and I got to have my fish. <laughs> but Which I is want, I ironic considering Patrick Stewart freaking hated the fish. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't want a painting. Of the ship in here, like I did it last time. I don't want a couch. I don't want nope. any place to put extra stuff. Just go ahead and desk and a chair. That that'll do exactly. <laughs> and if you can, let's make it triangular because I really like triangles. I'm going to put those all over the bridge because I love oh, me some triangles. What is it with the Enterprise E and triangles? I swear. Right. Well, the whole thing is kind of a triangle if you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Harness the power of the pyramid. You know, <laughs> not my favorite ship power of the pyramid jeez <laughs> the um though I, so i do like this scene because when they start talking this does have an excellent effects scene of uh Dougherty tells raufo hey i want to talk to park picard alone about this and, and raufo goes no and when he does <laughs> A little bit of his brain spits out of like his forehead. Just stuff out his forehead. I just I, I want a door to be like uh, you. You got you got a little something like that. You're, hey, bud, you're leaking some jam. Come on, bud. Lasagna <laughs> <some>? are jelly filled. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you need a hanky? I can help you out with that. Whoever whoever came up with this particular idea for a shot in a special effect, I my hat's off to him because it was hilarious. Also, I'm sorry, but is there ever a time when it's not funny when F. Murray Abraham starts yelling? (laughs) He's got this really low, gruff voice, and every time he yells, it goes real high pitch and weird. (laughs) I love it. He's got the best screen. (laughs) in the industry. Yeah, he has kind of a uh, a 14-year-old girl. You know, right? <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> so, of course, he's upset because he wants his people back, and he wants the Federation to get the hell out of here so that he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're not going to do all of that. And he's like, oh, yeah? Well, then I'm going to kick your butts. <laughs> <laughs> And as soon as he walks out, what's Jean-Luc do? Jean-Luc decides to launch into what Jean-Luc does best. I'm going to talk extensively about my morals and ethics and high standards, which I didn't have in other instances like this, but there wasn't a hot woman (laughs) involved. Like, seriously, did you see her? (laughs) I, I swear he goes into the, it's like Jeff Winger was written by Aaron Sorkin. It's like, dude, okay. Okay. Wrap. Yes, we get it. We get it. We get it. Wrap right. it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> I do like, uh, we've already talked about the Native Americans and Cardassian space episode, but I have a note here of no one remembers the garbage pile of an episode that was that <laughs> one. <laughs> and it's true. But this is the best part. Then John Luke tries to pull the Prime Directive out of his butt. It's like, dude, we already know these people are native to this planet. They know about technology. The Prime Directive has nothing to do with this whatsoever. And he just is like, oh, what about the Prime Directive? It's like, you're fishing. Well, okay. This kind of bugs me because he knows for a fact that these people aren't Pre technology, yes, right. Like, why is he even talking about that? Yes. He knows it doesn't apply, yes. And, and Dougherty calls him on that, Dougherty calls him immediately. It's like, you know, they were never supposed to, uh, you know, evolve this way. And then, you know, Jean looks, who are we to say how they should evolve, you know, again, right? That, well, well, I mean, you Federation, really you tell everybody how they should do everything, <laughs> so whatever. And Doherty then has to explain to him, okay, listen, you already figured out about the Fountain Youth. We figured out a way to bottle it. Well, we haven't. The Sona have. The ship is in Federation space. The Sona know how to bottle it. So we're working together because we want to bottle this stuff. And we want to distribute it to the Federation. So Doherty is trying to do the, listen, I'm actually not a bad dude here. I'm looking at the bigger picture. Needs of the minute. And besides, it's only six hundred people, baby. Picard's like, "Oh yeah, only six hundred people." How many people before? How many wrong? people before? It's wrong. <laughs> oh my god! Come on. A hundred, a thousand. How many people does it take, Admiral? How many hot women have to <laughs> die? So yeah, he's a. Uh, it's wrong. It's immoral. I'll fight you. Now he does say, I'm going to take this Federation council and Dory lets him know, dude, this already went through channels. Right. (laughs) Uh, yeah. The president's like super on board with this. Have (laughs) you seen how old that guy is? (laughs) You want to keep that, you want to keep that radiation for those? Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I, I do find it interesting that at this point, Doherty takes the opportunity to order Jean-Luc. You are going to get out of here. You're going to do what I told you, and you're going to do it now. And Jean-Luc's like, fine. <laughs> and it's like, well, hold on. You didn't have any problem violating orders before. Why are you suddenly like, yeah, all right, fine. Since you said so. I, I just don't get it. Yes. And, he, but, he, uh, and and Doherty pulls the whole thing of, of the whole courts thing. Well, you can go and scream about it, but by the time anything happens, this will all be over. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's the first really true thing he said about this whole situation. (laughs) Hey, man, you're right. I'm violating tons of laws. Go report me. Uh, It's going to take you, what, six, seven weeks to get back? (laughs) I'll be done with this tomorrow. Remember why Jim Kirk used to be able to get away with so much is because he was so far away from Starfleet command. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) In fact, uh, we're referring to our distance from Earth as Kirk units from now on. (laughs) How much can I get away with? (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's why the Ferengi get away with so much. <laughs> They're like 3,000 Kirk units away. All right. We're going to go ahead and we're going to fire. Wait, uh, how far away from, are we from Amanda? Okay. <laughs> can you no, move okay, us fine. one more <laughs> Kirk unit away? <laughs> <laughs> then we can fire on this Klingon vessel. It'll be fine. So uh, Picard goes back to his quarters, which are very nice. Uh, The Enterprise-E is well appointed. Yes. I mean, we're getting close back to what Christopher Pike has on Strange New Worlds, which again, just completely blows my mind the size of his quarters. Yep. That's what he tells all the ladies. (laughs) Hey, you want to come back to my place? I've got huge quarters. But now, as Um, Captain Picard goes in, he does the dramatic removing of the pips. Yeah. Which is what Gladys Knight used to threaten... (laughs) <laughs> backup singers. If they did not toe the line, I will. Do you remove, want some pip removal? I will remove, remove a pip, pip if I have to. Do not make me remove a pip. And so I do love the, <laughs> that uh, Johnny Two Takes uses the uh, pip removal to do a dissolve into a sona dental procedure. <laughs> right. I thought that was a. I thought that was an interesting, uh, interesting cinematic device. <laughs> Eh, what are you gonna do? Uh, it was real gross too. Oh man, I, I don't know what it is about special effects guys set or making fake sets of gums and pulling teeth out. It just gets me every time. Yeah, I'm with turns you on my that. stomach. I'm with you on that. That one and uh, uh, fingernails. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, what was there's a ghost movie uh, with uh, Kevin Bacon. Um, oh God. Kevin Bacon, ghost movie. Uh, ah, Stir of Echoes. Um, there is a girl who gets assaulted in that movie. And when she does, she puts her hand on the ground and she pulls against a wooden floor, pops a nail off. Oh, They gave me nightmares. To do that effect in Star Trek Three when uh, Kirk and, uh, and Korg are having the fight on the planet and they're going over the edge of the, the cliff. They're, they actually tried to do an effect where Kirk's uh, fingernails like ripped off. Oh, gross. They were able no. to pull it off, Listen, so to speak. The only time it's accept- acceptable to get that bloody in a Star Trek episode is if you fill somebody up with tiny little crab things <laughs> and have them explode. It's the only time it's acceptable. <laughs> Which, by the way, that's a super gross episode. <laughs> Keep the gore away from my core, baby. Right. Pardon me. So. <coughs> so Raufo. Raufo? Raufo? Rauf. Raufo? Rufo. That's what it was supposed to be. Rufo. Yeah, I have that Rufo. That's up. it. Uh, <laughs> He's, uh, so he's, he's with his buddy Gallatin, which by the way, uh, throughout all the notes for this, you wrote, his name is gelatin, which makes me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but his buddy Gallatin who incidentally in his makeup totally looks like Albert Brooks, um, it, it, who is, he's also played by Greg Henry, um, which I, you, you have here that he played Peter's grandfather in guardians of the galaxy. Yes. Yep, same actor. Who so he was Kurt Russell's dad? No, he was uh, uh, his mother's. He was uh, Peter's oh, well, mother's the other grandfather okay. uh, who comes out to him in the hallway and uh, and tells him, you know, you need to go in there now, Peter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. And the name Gallatin, and that actually derived from Gallatin County in, uh Montana, which is a tie-in to Bozeman, which is, is it... Brendan Braggos? Oh, huh? uh, where he's from? Oh, I don't, I, I don't know. Is he is somebody actually from Bozeman? Yeah, it's either Brago or Stephen Bear. I can't remember which one. I'd have to look it up again.
1: Oh, but I didn't know that. I thought Bozeman's. the whole
0: first contact thing was just they picked a place and that was just it. No, nope, that's why the uh, Mor- uh, Morgan Bateson's ship is is named the Bozeman. It was original. I thought it was because Bozeman is where first contact happened. So yeah, that's all. Uh, that's all. That's that. I can't remember if it's a Brago or uh, I think it's Brandon Braga. I wonder which came first, the Bozeman, the ship, or Bozeman, the first contact location. Like, which one was written first? Ah, uh, that's good. That's a good question. Hmm. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so they're talking, and and one of them was like, "Remember what they did to us?" Like, ooh, what did they do to you? That's interesting. <laughs> I wonder if that'll come back to haunt us. <laughs> and then they do the face lifting machine where he, uh, what's his bucket? Uh, F. Murray Abram lays down and they stretch his face with the energy rays. It's so cool, <laughs> which I, I agree with you. I want one. Um, and, and if you want to take all the wrinkles out of this face, go for it. I, but, I, I was uh, just figuring, I mean, for my clothes alone, you know, you, you, you never <laughs> have to iron again. <laughs> I put raisins in it. Just, just nothing but raisins. I want to see what happens. <laughs> oh, look. It's like a tiny grape. <laughs> hey, you, want a, you want a jelly belly? <laughs> this tastes horrible. <laughs> hey, you know that in, uh, in other countries, they call grapes raisins? <laughs> no, seriously. I did not know and, that. And what we call raisins, they call dried raisins. Oh, all right. I had no idea. I mean, not all countries, but in some other countries, I think I think Canada was one of them. Where it was raisins and dried raisins. Yeah, well, right. they're just doing that to make us mad. That's true. <laughs> How dare you make fun of our bacon? <laughs> it, it's uh, all, it's all that passive aggressive. Oh no, we're your friend, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh oh gosh, sorry, sorry. Uh, okay, so our next shot is in the captain's yacht this is so cool because we finally get to be on a captain's yacht and they've only had the captain's yacht in the show once. And that was when Picard got his heart surgery. Technically he was in the captain's yacht, but, or he was transported in the captain's yacht. Um, And then on this one, we finally get to be in it for the first time. And I think this is the only time they show the captain's yacht moving from the outside. And he's, running guns he is stealing weaponry he's taken off his pips well and he is now stealing firearms he's i mean he's john browning listen listen the the uh, statue there's no defense (laughs) 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 you're absolutely right it really didn't strike me until watching this i was like so your solution is i'm gonna quit the military and steal a bunch of their guns it's true. <laughs> now, I can't um, say that I might not do the same thing. I just think it's an odd move for the hero of our movie. Listen, he's not a captain anymore because he's wearing his civilian jacket. And you can do anything you want if you're wearing a civilian jacket. <laughs> That's been well established on this show. Because when people are wearing a civilian jacket, they do things like take over a uh, a, a hacker's job. Uh, they they blow things up. They, they, oh, they, uh, they set off uh, thermonuclear reactions. They're not thermonuclear, but uh, I forget what it was called. It was some cooling vent thing that blew up an entire city or entire planet actually. And and, and, and at the same time, while you're, while you're doing all this, you can also just walk onto the bridge of the enterprise anytime you want. I'm always amazed by that throughout the entire series. People just walk right. onto the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And if you're really lucky, they'll walk onto the bridge and they'll screw up their eyes really weird and make people disappear. (laughs) Or they they show up as, you know, a a World War II general or as a a fancy... um, Oh, oh, oh. Or as a mariachi band. (laughs) Man, you know, sometimes this show is so much fun and sometimes it's real dumb. But (laughs) it's always entertaining. That's for damn sure. So I'm wondering who's he taking the guns to? Because he's already, McCormick is already told him we're not going to handle guns. We don't do technology. Who's he bringing the guns for? Right? How many guns can he fire at one time? I'm really not sure. But luckily, the entire crew showed up and was like, hey, you know what? Screw that, Admiral. We're (laughs) going. And we're all wearing civilian jackets too. Hey, stealing guns. I'd like to steal guns. Right. (laughs) Now we're finally doing something. (laughs) I've had it with the the funny hats. Let's steal some guns. Right. Deanna (laughs) Troy's like, listen, the bathtub was fun, (laughs) but I need some real adrenaline. I'm sensing the need to blow off some steam. Right. (laughs) I do like that Riker and LaForge, they're not down with this because they don't show up in civilian clothes. They are still in uniform. Of course, Riker yeah. yeah, is because it's just like, oh, the captain quit. The ca- captain finally quit. Oh, my God. Right. Exactly. <laughs> now <laughs> is my time. Jordy's like, look, I'm seeing clearly for the first time ever.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that was just
0: a cheap shot. Jordy's like, dude, even on this planet, I can't find a date. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, um, I they uh, so Riker and 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 Jordy say, okay, we're gonna go ahead and take care of everything while you guys are gone, so it's cool, (laughs) whatever. Um, so Data tries to deliver another one liner and it's terrible. He says, Lock and load. Settle up, lock and load. Yeah. What? Like, has he been on the holodeck again? Was (laughs) was he on there? Like, Worf is like, Hey, you know, for old time's sakes, can I go be sheriff again? (laughs) Uh, That was real fun. I know Alexander's not here, but let's go do that. And Data's like, Settle up, partner. (laughs) This this one was like, I understand the effect you guys were going for, but this one really fell flat. It just, again, this was all those, like, this is the reason why people don't like Star Trek right here. That that thing right, that line right there, yeah. Now, if he had been like, you know, cry havoc and let slip the dogs (laughs) of war, then I'd have been all for it. anyway i don't know let's shoot some people <laughs> <laughs> actually that's that's the line he should use what should we do data and he should have picked up a gun and that <laughs> 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 oh man poor data he never gets any good lines <laughs> um so yeah okay. we're kind of setting up the helms deep here thing of of okay we're gonna go down to the planet and we're gonna protect all these people and riker you go off and tell the federation you know give this thing a face so we're kind of setting up the you know look for me at the third day at the sign of the <sighs> rising sun or something like that uh, yeah and, it's not a great setup i mean uh, it's it's still the okay corral, no matter how you, <laughs> you frame it. Ugh. So then we go back to Rauf. Raufo? Rufo? 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 God, Rufo? I cannot do it's, his name. I, I have Ruafo. The saying, so it's Rufo. Rufo. That's really awful. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> He's like, you know what? Screw this. This is fun and everything. And the hollow ship was a neat idea, but I'm tired of this crap. <laughs> Shoot everybody. Wipe them out. Hold right. Them. <laughs> so, of course, suddenly the Enterprise crew knows how to be guerrilla fighters. <laughs> so they move the entire townsfolk into the hills. Ugh. So originally the script, they wanted to do a, an LMO like setup. They wanted a, a final stand type setup. I think part of that was because that set got damaged in the rain, but logistically they just weren't going to be able to pull it off. So then it was more like, okay, head for the hills. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Cause if it had been more Alamo like it would have really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so then all of a sudden they're attacked by drones, transport inhibitor drones, they're going to fly around and they're going to find people are not inhibitors. They're not inhibitors or transport. So they uh, set up transport inhibitors first to keep people from beam up, which again, Oh, that's right. That's right. Why didn't we do this with data in the first place? Um, well, yeah. And also couldn't we take these people off the planet for just a, well, Picard holds this whole thing. As long as there's somebody on the planet, they won't, they won't attack. Um, I'm not sure where he got that idea. Maybe he had that much trust in Doherty. Also, here's the thing I really, really don't get about that concept. F. Murray Abram is he's planning on killing everybody. So if he's going to kill everybody, why doesn't he just start the experiment? He actually tries to beam everybody up first. He still tries to hold up until he kills Doherty. He still tries to hold by I I'm remembering now. Because that's why they do the isolinear tags later is because they're trying to appease Doherty by not killing everybody. All right. That's fair. So they start shooting at the transport inhibitors from the sky. Um, Everybody keeps running and running and running. Uh, Eventually. um, uh, McCormick, um, Adam's dad, he gets beamed up because now data will be able to bond with the kid more. Which you know, yay! Yeah, Data's bonding with another person. That wasn't cool. that wasn't forced at all. <laughs> um. <laughs> now the guy I mentioned earlier, who was on Battlestar Galactica, uh, it was an Aloran officer on the bridge of the ship. Oh yes. They they also showed another Aloran officer. There's the only two that are shown in the sh- in the episode. Apparently, the backstory on them is that they're actually a a, a race that was uh was conquered by the the Soma. Okay. Yeah. And so now they, they work for them. Um, and I guess all of the beauticians are also another race that was conquered by them and they're kind of enslaved and work as doctors, I guess. I don't know. Anyway. So the Aloran officer, uh, the cool thing about this is that the headpiece makeup that they did for these, uh, was supposed to look similar to a triceratops, uh, mostly because there was kind of, they were alluding to, um, the Alorans being a uh, Saurian species, which is, you know, it's one of the rare occasions that, that we actually talk about Saurian right. species on the show. You know, it's almost always uh mammalian based. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of no, cool. No, that is kind of, yeah, I, And I did like, I thought the, the makeup effect they did on it actually w- it worked really, really well. Yeah. Right. They kind of had that, that, uh, like a dome plate and then it kind of, uh, went out a little bit at the edges. It was kind of neat. I, I have to give up. I don't think that, uh, uh was it, um, uh, what, Michael Westmore, the, the, uh, makeup director, I don't think he gets as much credit as he's really deserves for a lot of the stuff that they, they put together. It's kind of an overlooked oh, yeah. thing because it's not the full star Wars, full head, um, masks and everything you see a lot in, in the star Wars type thing, but he did some amazing work in between the TV and the movies. Totally. Really interesting guy, too. Listen to an interview with him uh, on uh, Gates McFadden's uh, podcast, and just really interesting guy. <laughs> so, Rofo is now going to give a speech because F. Murray Abrams likes to give a monologue. <laughs> <laughs> Abraham, not Abrams. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he gives his little monologue about how the Federation is dying. Blah, blah. With the Dominion. Everybody's coming after you. Right. And I don't know, man. <laughs> it's You've got to give me a free hand to deal with these renegades. If you ever want the train to run through, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. If you ever want to take this planet over. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's, it's hard to really care about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he convinces Doherty. Hey, you know what? I have to stop the enterprise. By any means necessary. And Doherty is like, okay, fine. If that's what you got to do. <laughs> He's such a sad sack. In there. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Doherty really, I, I wish he would have survived this whole experience. Cause I would have loved to seen just a, a series about who the hell is this guy? Cause man, this is not okay. Just imagine, imagine Ruafo giving this speech to Edward Jellicoe. How do you think that would have gone? Oh, Jellicoe would have put him on an airlock. Yeah, yeah. it's just, uh, I'm getting the feeling dirty is one of, those, uh, one of those guys who made it to Admiralty without ever commanding the ship type thing. Totally. More politics. So we're going to go back to Data and the Boy. All right, enough of that crap. Um, <laughs> 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 yes, just it's more Pinocchio stuff. Which I mean, we started this encounter of Farpoint, and it was enough just in that episode that we still have to be doing it ten years later. Yeah, uh, no, 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 not since Farpoint. Farpoint was in nineteen eighty-seven. This is nineteen ninety-eight. Oh, so, no, I guess yeah, yeah eleven years, almost twelve. Yeah so it, yeah it's one of those things of man did did we really have to keep on doing this now i will say though that that spiner's performance in this scene was like a comfortable shoe he stopped being movie data and went back to tv data and he he had the mannerisms down he had the the look and the feel going it w- it was much more like i was watching an episode um it was a comfortable shoe yes it just felt good to, to see that that performance again I can see your point it was less action data where you know we get to see him curse and 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 give you know terse one-liners and stuff like that so yeah very very yeah. good point point. and he says androids don't have fun which is crap because he plays poker he had the encounter at tasha or firepoint yeah <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's fully functional. Let's put it that way. Uh, and then uh, Worf and Picard have their conversation where they talk about ooh aggressive tendencies. Which again, be- some of these are just set up so clumsily because it's like, okay, well, that's obviously you, you. guys hit that line a little hard. That's obviously right. going to be a callback. Uh, he's like, hey, Worf. Um, is there anything I should be worried about since you're going through? <laughs> Worf's like, ha ha, no, everything's fine. Except for my aggressive tendencies. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> <laughs> so Picard and, uh, are, are, flirting again, which I have to say, Beverly uh, is being really cool about this entire thing. Right. <laughs> well, that's cause Beverly's got to keep on pretending. She doesn't care again. Jeez. And then he and on all of a sudden I can date. Um sorry, right? <laughs> And so uh, Picard's like, oh yeah, I got, I got a girlfriend. She lives forever. And then all of a sudden her girlfriend's like, uh, Hey, you want to see something cool? And she stops time. <laughs> How are you doing this? Well, I spiked your drink <laughs> with hallucinogens. <laughs> First of all, you should cover the top of your cup when you're not drinking, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't anyone taught you about going to clubs? (laughs) She's Louise again. The 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 setups in this movie are so obvious. They just it's like, well, okay, yeah, we're gonna see that. You you didn't do that for no reason. We're gonna see that again. It's like when you're playing a video game. And you're, you're in a level where you keep picking up these random items, but they're all glowing gold. And you're like, I'll bet these are going to be a big deal later. I've been going through this entire game, and all of a sudden there's a blowtorch just there. Huh. I wonder if I'm going to need a blowtorch later. Right? Why was that blowtorch sitting on a coffee can? I don't understand. I should probably pick that up. So we go back to the Enterprise. And I got to say, it was another one of those scenes where it took in the whole Enterprise bridge and all I could think was, yuck. I don't like this Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, and we're starting to do that thing again where there's only three people running the entire ship despite hundreds of people being around because Geordi is at the helm yeah. station for some reason. He's not been at the helm station since season one. Right? And now he's just it- saying, <laughs> there's like, dude, why are you there? Don't... Okay, Locke. why is he being allowed to drive anything? <laughs> he got brand new eyes like yesterday. <laughs> Once again, Hawk died in the last movie, and you guys haven't replaced him. I mean, we used to have a helmsman every di- a different helmsman every single week, right? Except for Ensign Gates, she stayed around for a while. But well, I mean, technically, they've got a new a new helmsman every what eight hours? Yes, yeah, and, and right shift rotation. I mean, there's no reason they couldn't do follow the sun. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> They're, they're definitely multinational. <laughs> so uh, they tell him, Hey, the sonar behind us and they're trying to get our attention. Yeah. So Jordy's like, well, that was fun. I'm going back to engineering. <laughs> and, 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 uh, William Riker's genius strategy is don't answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a strategy he used a lot in his Starfleet career. My <laughs> uh, Starfleet career, you mean dating life? Yes. <laughs> right. yeah, that was fun. Don't um, lose my number. <laughs> so we go back down to the planet, and we have finally gotten to something people really care about: a boob joke. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It seemed like they so, were just squeezing a lot. A, they were they were putting it seemed like they were doing more human than they really needed to in this film. It was taking away from yeah. the actual story. Oh, Oh, the humor squeeze. I, I thought you were talking about this scene specifically because <laughs> they were definitely taking care of some requests from previous seasons. Yeah. <laughs> As we come back to the planet and there's Deanna and Beverly squeezing their boobs and going, do they mine feel like, firmer than before right do yours do, your, do yours feel better than firmer <laughs> yes okay. and then we swing away and it was just like what was the point that wasn't necessary for the story only to allow data to say it to wharf and it was like again yeah really wasn't necessary also data knows human anatomy yes. he's not going to ask a stupid question like yes that. yep that was that was a reach yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Sona finally start dro- dropping tag, uh, blah, tag drones. So the valiant crew of the enterprise can finally start shooting at something. Um, it's kind of like the GI Joe thing, you know, Hey, they're robots. They're not real people. Fire away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they, then data for some reason, his shot is like pew <laughs> pew. <laughs> Pew! It kind of seems like he could have taken them all out within a couple of seconds. Right? He's a robot. (laughs) (laughs) You you think he can't track multiple (laughs) targets? Come on. I don't know. And then, of course, Worf has to grab a rifle. Off of an alpaca. (laughs) Here's the thing. Somewhere along the way, they decided that Worf only shoots rifles and he he's gonna look badass doing it. Now, don't get me wrong. Michael Doran looks badass holding a rifle, but like it just was unnecessary. Also, why do they have rifles? Because they're big. I don't get it. Yeah, but why? Why? They don't need it. The, the phasers already can blow shit up. Why do they need a rifle? Just, uh, anyway. Was so the Jim Enterprise Parker is getting in the, in the original publicity shot. And by God, we're going to, we're going to ride that horse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So the enterprise Uh, is getting shot at by the Sona and it looks like it's burning oil. Well, I mean, uh, the chief engineer was driving the ship, so he (laughs) hasn't been tuning it up. And now we make a huge, huge, huge no, no. William Riker says out of the way ensign. And he sits down at the helm as the captain of the ship. You are (sighs) not steering the ship. You have a lot of other things to worry about. Listen, I play Star Trek video games. If I could have somebody else steering the ship for me, I'd have somebody else steering the ship for me so I could deal with everything else. Yeah. Well, and think about every episode and every movie you've ever watched. Has it ever worked out well to have the captain drive the big ship? Yeah, yeah. They do lots of great stuff when they go fly fly shuttles, but the big ship, they have a tendency to scratch it. I was very confused by many of the choices that are going to be made (laughs) with William Riker captaining the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but back on the planet, we got to find some caves because you can't have a Star Trek <laughs> fight without getting into caves. Thank God for paper mache. If not for that, where would we take shelter? Right. <laughs> and anyway, so of course the bad guys show up near the mouth of the cave and Worf jumps out. And rather than shoot that giant rifle, he's going to swing it around like a club because he's Worf. Cause even phaser rifles jam. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, oh my goodness so well it's because he forgot to lock and load <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go that's what happened right he did saddle up that's why he had it on the alpaca but he forgot to lock and load and of course then he shouts i think i'm experiencing aggressive tendencies sir <laughs> Which Jeez, gets a laugh from some people in the crowd, but again, was set up so obviously. Yeah, the joke. such a freaks movie. <laughs> oh my god! I listen. He's a great director. He really is. But his his sense of comedy is more quirky than I think Star Trek really wants to be. They just they were just trying a bit too hard to get all get all the stuff in. I mean they right. they. Like I said, they just some of the setups were just too obvious. It was like, okay, where is that going to land? Yeah, what are you going to do? So the Sona start detonating subspace weapons, <laughs> which is a no-no by treaty. That is true. <laughs> and again, this is again as we were just talking about. Jonathan Frakes makes a really good job. Does a really good job of making William Riker look personable and humorous. He's not quite as good as making at making William Riker look like a badass. That is true. Um except for uh what was it? Best of both worlds? Yes. Now that 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 was probably that was probably William Riker's like finest hour. There it is. S T N G. Best of both worlds. There it is. Is that directed by Winrich Colby? Uh that's exactly what I was looking at. Um uh, No, Cliff Bowl. Cliff Bowl, okay. Oh, written by Pillar, great, great set of episodes. Anyway, um, yes, Riker got to be a badass. Um, there was another one too. He's uh one of the Mirror episodes, I believe. He got to be kind of a badass. Um, oh no, 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 it wasn't a Mirror episode. It was when all of the Enterprises came through the void. Oh yeah, it came uh, through the rift, and all good things. And, yes, and Thomas yes, yes. Riker is kind of a badass in. Uh- and when he steals it. Yeah, but he's also Tuesday's just line. kind of a jerk. True. That's what happens when you don't have sideburns. That's true. <laughs> um. So, Jordy claims this is going to be like a zipper across space. <laughs> so, help if me. If the, the human switch. race is still using zippers in the 21st century, we might as well just pack it in. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Although, zippers are really effective and easy and cheap. True, but you, and I, you and I have worked with zippers in... in uh, in an industry and have seen when they go bad, uh, that's true. how horrible they go real bad. <laughs> you know, in all the time that I've been watching star Trek, I've never actually thought what is the type of clasp that they use on those uniforms? <laughs> hmm. Some kind of futuristic thing where you just kind of touch it and it's like zip done. I would have to assume I would hope yeah. so if people are still zipping each other up and you know, that far in that part of the future, <laughs> Well, we know that uh, Deanna and, and William are. <laughs> anyway, so then I mean, how how is Jordy getting his uniform zipped up? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. So they can't use a deflector dish because it's you know in use for every other system <laughs> and it's pointed um, the other way. <laughs> yeah, right. So they're like, uh, let's just eject the core. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, I really like your theory on this. Cause man, we eject the core a heck of a lot. You mean that Jordy's just looking for an excuse? He's just bored. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've run through all my holodeck time. I, hey, um, the only possible solution is to eject the warp core. Let's just do that. I imagine um, he's, you know, reading, you know, popular warp mechanics. He sees, oh man. <laughs> Oh, they actually brought down Mark the phase seven? variance by 0. .675% on this you know what I want that one what am I doing right. with this warp core I want that warp core uh, the Romulans are behind us we should eject the warp core I already did <laughs> okay so this movie is absolutely an example of that he's like hey uh, Riker we should totally eject the oh I just ejected the warp core <laughs> Oops. <laughs> So he's got like this 1998 gateway monitor in front of him. And it <laughs> looks like he's got a button and he just like reaches out, pushes a button. Boom. There goes. The so, remember it takes three people to blow the ship up, but to dump the engine right. and yeah, just push a button. <laughs> right. Totally. Computers like, uh, that thing happened again. <laughs> Wesley, stay away from that. Wesley, stay away from that. <laughs> <laughs> So they blow up the warp core. And of course the inertial it. dampeners go out. Uh, yeah. Did they actually say that they went out? No, they just all went flying across the bridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because Ugh. that's what happens when stuff blows up in space. Our initial dampeners, our inertial dampeners just stop working, which because is really, well, the, I, mean, I mean, where you want them to be working, but they are magic. So who cares? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we go back to the paper mache caves. Um, you, you have a note here about the Sona doing the fire on the mountain trap. I don't get that. The Sona just start f- shooting at the uh, uh, at the mountain to trap oh, them. Oh, fire on the, the, the mountain! Two trap. To them. trap I, them get, in. I should probably learn to read. <laughs> well, I am not great at writing, so <laughs> <laughs> so they try to so, trap the and then they go, "Hey, we could follow that flow of water to find another exit." Which is really (laughs) interesting considering you're all holding tricorders. Well, it's Calvinite. Calvinite ruins everything. (laughs) It would have been nice if at some point they just would have said, man, this Calvinite is messing with my tricorder. Would have helped tremendously as opposed to, hey, you know what? Let's follow the water. Right. (laughs) I guess the simple ways are always the best. (laughs) Ugh. (laughs) So, yeah, then... Riker is, or we're back on the enterprise. Riker's like, you know what? We should blow up their ship. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go find some gases. Cause we ejected the warp core, but uh, that doesn't actually, you know, provide propulsion. It's only for warp. We can, we can go as fast <laughs> as we want otherwise. So he starts driving it around. And the only way to drive it around is with the stick. You got to pull out the stick. Manual steering so. column. What? Wow. Why was well, you who know. wrote this? Why was this this and honestly, I don't get yeah, it's terrible. Why would you fly a ship with a steering wheel or a joystick <laughs> or anything? Why? Now, my favorite thing about this scene though is that when it popped up out of the ground, I immediately recognized the stick because when I left left the retail job that you and I worked at, as a parting gift, you guys gave me this exact joystick. <laughs> yep, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I played a lot of X Wing on that baby. <laughs> God, that was a long time ago. Ah, anyway, <laughs> but his idea is okay. I'm going to collect volatile gas in the nacelles. Okay, yeah. the nacelles. Are basically columns of field coils that are mm-hmm. filled with warp plasma. Yeah, and we can just throw some volatile gas in there. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be fine. You change them from blow to suck. <laughs> it's a it's a switch on the top. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Science is real hard. Okay, i was <laughs> just like of all the places I would want to keep volatile gas the nacelles is probably the last place i would think that's a bad idea listen we already said the the deflector dish was busy okay you know what the the only thing that we could have used instead was bassard scoops and those are on the front of the nacelles and i just you know what i just rationalized my own thought because we ejected the warp coil so there's no plasma going through those they're still glowing blue for some reason that's a good point. But there's no plasma certain- beam Ooh. supplied to the field coils. You just uncovered a a uh, plot hole, or not a plot hole, but a a special effects hole. Rationalization. It oh, not have been blue. Yeah, they should have been. They should have been dead. But you know what? That also means that also means that when you eject the warp core, there's a whole bunch of plasma that's already been energized. What's going to happen to it? Does it like shoot? out the ports into the warp core cavity? Well, the the field coil should hold on to it until such a time until it's expended. So then they would stay. They would still, yeah, they would stay. And they would still blow up. Assuming the (laughs) thing is effectively just a pump, which I think that's what we just decided. (laughs) (laughs) But it works. Anyway. And Riker spits the gas back out of the bad guys and blows them up. And now Worf has a bazooka. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the planet, Worf found he had a bazooka. I, this I assume it's the same everything. bazooka, right? I, I assume this is the bazooka he used to shoot the uh, uh, the Borg out of the sky when they were on the deflector <laughs> dish. And he was like, assimilate this. So what I want to yeah. know is, was the alpaca on the planet or did he bring the alpaca with him? Uh that's a standard issue Starfleet alpaca. Okay, that's that's what I was wondering. Yeah, I, it, it's actually a battle alpaca. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with the uh, um the civilian alpaca. <laughs> uh, it doesn't come with as many holsters. I'm I'm really gonna have to go to uh to memory prime and look up exactly what the <laughs> uh, what the Starfleet uh, standard issue alpaca exactly what was it. <laughs> It's like the captain's yacht. It's one of those things we often hear about, but we just never see. It's true. Uh, (laughs) Incidentally, Starfleet alpacas come in uh, blue, red, or gold. (laughs) Luckily, they don't don't come in green. He had the gold one because the red one wouldn't have lasted five minutes. That's true. (laughs) The, The gold one knows where all the guns are, too. Um. Okay, so. The the Sona are on foot, and the, the one thing that's going to happen now that's real scary is the little kid all of a sudden gets real stupid and decides he's got to go back and get his little Flight of the Navigator worm thing. It seems like everybody's taking stupid pills. So the Sona just decided, <sighs> you know what, flying around a ship shooting at people is just really hard. L- let's get right? on foot and try to shoot at them like, without any sort of protection. Also, there's like 10 people left. Who gives a crap? Let's just get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> I don't know. And then, uh, and then so, just magically discovers something with her tricorder that all of their sensors missed. Now we don't quite know what it is yet, but she's discovered something <laughs> incredible about, about the- Don't you think that would be kind of a standard operating procedure? Your ship gets into the system, you're you're meeting up with another species. Scan. Yeah. Right? They transported to my ship. Scan. And you already had all the files on the Sona, so, right? Yeah. Ah. This this part of it has always really bugged me. Huge hole, and we'll we'll get to actually what the hole is later. But this is just very very odd. Yeah. So she finds the boy. He's safe, but then Picard and Anjin are gonna fall because. The I, I don't remember why they fell. Was it the ground collapsed? Yes. Was the, it a bomb? The, uh, there were still uh, ships still firing, and the and the mm. cave collapsed in on them, um, separating S- so them. So they the fell. Of the crew. And yeah, they were trapped in a cave, separated from everybody. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, now Troy, when they're separated, away, Troy's first thing is like, well, I'll just raise my my phaser and we'll just blast him out. And Worf was like, no, 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 that could go really, really bad. Worf hasn't scanned anything and all I'm thinking of is I really don't like the sight of my ex-girlfriend waving a gun around. So Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, she seems like she'd be a pretty vicious ex, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> so Data and Worf start digging and this is the only pair of people that I would say they should be digging together. Uh, anybody else starts digging with data and I'm like, "Mm, no, that's just (laughs) stupid. Get out of his way. (laughs) So Angie is injured. Uh, um, because in 300 years, she learned a lot of skills, but dodging rocks really wasn't one of them. Well, I mean that and swimming. (laughs) So I take it she was so, much, much more of a luxury seeker than she was an outdoorsy person. <laughs> right. So then Picard does his little slow time thing because now he can do that. Why? Why was any of this necessary? Because <sighs> I, I, somebody had a conundrum they couldn't figure out how to write their way out I, of. I, this, again, this whole thing just seemed like this didn't add to the story or go anywhere. This is one of those storylines that makes you realize that if Star Trek just put pointy hats on everybody and put a stick in their hand, it's Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's completely interchangeable. Yes, it's sci-fi, but it's all magic. So it's fine. Whatever. Sorry. That was a realization that came to me one day. I was watching Star (laughs) Trek. and I'm like, if you put a wizard hat on these people, it doesn't change the story in any way. (laughs) It was a bummer. (laughs) Just side note, it's kind of like, right. uh, you know, Doctor Who, when a, uh, the uh, sonic screwdriver used to be used to just open doors, and then all of a sudden it could do anything in the world. It's like, well, now you're just Gandalf. Right? <laughs> anyway, so, um, blah, 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 blah. So, more Western motif. So, we really hit it here. We go at full Italian Western with the 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 crew stands stands shoulder to shoulder in line while the drones fly down and look at them for 15 to 20 seconds to give them the dramatic pause. Right. This whole thing was just like, okay, now you, even though the whole time these drones have been on the planet, they've been like zap, 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 zap. Now they're like, what are you doing? We finally found you. and and again jumps into action fires everybody but the captain and hanish are both tagged and beamed away which makes you think if you guys had just started firing your guns 15 seconds earlier this wouldn't have happened so picard has actually been holding some sessions on the ship teaching everybody about how to do suspense training (laughs) Uh, he's like listen the more people who die between the moment you decide to take action and the moment you take action the better off you've done (laughs) I once for instance killed 3000 people by taking a second before I fired on a board (laughs) vessel (laughs) I watched as those three ships were blown up in front of me, but those people died knowing drama had been exactly. (laughs) And they, they knew (laughs) that the proper amount of suspense had been achieved. (laughs) So all of this is going on. Actually, the filming location is convict Lake, um, which is also in Southern California. Okay. Um, that's what was standing in for the, the lake in the, in the, uh, where were the hollow ships at? Gotcha. That's also the one that Brent Spiner walked into. <laughs> um. So Doherty's like, "Hey, Picard. Hey, walk away now. Everything's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. We won't even prosecute." And right. While, right. While he's trying to pull this off, Rufo walks up. It's like Riker blew up my ships. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not happy. <laughs> right. And both, I I swear, Doherty and Picard both look at him like, oh, God, here we go. (laughs) Timing, timing. (laughs) Picard's like, hey, I know what's going on here. I know something you don't know. I know something (sighs) you don't know. And now we get to the biggest hole in the entire plot. Yeah, the Sona and these people here, the space hippies, the Baku, they're the same people. Which dun, dun, dun. you would have been able to tell at your very first scan when you were flying over and you were trying to find your officers, you would have said, Okay, well, there's our Starfleet officers, and there's those people, and there's some more of those people, and they're all the same. Yeah. So here's the thing that really bugs me is at this point, while doing this reveal, uh Anjin is like, hey you're so-and-so's son, aren't you? Like, really? (laughs) Not once was this guy like, hey, mom, what's up? Or, hey, Auntie Anjan, it's nice to see you again. Or, you've always been a thorn in my side. No, they're going to, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. You guys are my parents. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this... This was, I have to say, this was a bit disappointing because it seemed it seemed like you guys would have known that almost immediately. This right? should not be a surprise to Doherty or to, I mean, Doherty had his own team down there in the deck blind as well. Yeah. Nobody once was like, hey, why are you paying so much attention to that house? <laughs> no, no reason. No reason. Gallatin's like, you know, <laughs> listen. <laughs> I I keep I keep wondering if like Gallatin every once in a while slipped and was like, well, there was this one time like 75 years ago and I was doing that. (laughs) Wait, what? How old are you? Nothing. I I meant five years ago. (laughs) But I will say the conflict between Ruafo and Doherty finally comes to a head and gives for me what is the saving grace of this film. Anything else you can say about this film? This film gave birth to the sentence F. Marie Abraham facelifts Anthony Azerbi to death. That that for me is super thing. gross. Super gross. <laughs> and again, Abraham does a great job. Of, I don't take orders from you. <laughs> but it's he didn't do it that way. It was the high pitched 14-year-old girl voice again.
1: <laughs> I don't take- <laughs>
0: Thankfully, fourteen-year-old girls don't usually kill you after they scream at you. I'm very thankful for that. Right? Oof. About to have a thirteen-year-old on my hands. Oh my goodness! So uh, I agree with you. I think this is well, this was Frakes' way of making fun of Stuart for having work done. Hey, hey, hey! Undoing that. This. this is what's going to happen to you. All right. Poof. Did you get a little Zerby work on it? <laughs> <laughs> so Ruafo uh is gonna have some issues because now Gallatin's got his doubts. Uh and he's like, I, I just that's our that's our parents, man. Are you sure you want to do this? I, I think we took it too we might have we might have gone too far. We might have just taken it a little right? too far. And of course, Ruffo is like, Oh yeah, I want to get even more <laughs> This. I'm not going to be evil. I'm going to start being a dick. <laughs> right? Gallatin's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, wait, did you kill my mom? <laughs> you killed my mom, didn't you? I do love in the scene when they go back out to the bridge and Ruafo gets in his command chair. I love his command chair because it is just a big couch, a big ugly couch. <laughs> It's true. It's it's real gross. I love I mean, it, it looks like something that a Vogon would be comfortable in. Just to prove that I have power, but absolutely no class. <laughs> <laughs> Grunt buggly. Oh, sorry. Uh, so Galladin's like, Hey, I I gotta go find me some Picard. Picard can hook me up. He can get me out of this. <laughs> and Picard's like, um, you do realize if you do this, you're never gonna live this down. You gotta live with this forever. Oh, and he does—he does the the whole, you know, is this the way a Starfleet officer pleads for life? Like, I'm not pleading for my life. I'm pleading <laughs> for yours. Like, oh, <laughs> oh my god, dude! Right at that point, honestly, if I was Gallatin, I was like, you know what? I think I find somebody else to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I god was just kind of you know i really didn't like my mom <laughs> my mom yelled at me once once <laughs> so, while so data, this data shows up and just starts launching tachyons into their field okay so here's the thing I don't get is, is the captain's yacht, a fully featured starship with all the abilities. Like it just, it, it's got all the weapons, all the, everything. Like he can shoot tachyons. I don't know for the enterprise E because the only one I really have any information on is the yacht from enterprise D, which we really didn't know that much about, but that's in the book. Mm-hmm. The E yeah. They're able to make up anything they wanted to. Cause right? And it does seem, oh. yeah, why would the captain's yacht have the ability to shoot bursts? Well, you know, it's cause they don't want to accidentally slip through a time hole. <laughs> cause you know, that's always happening. Yeah. Nothing worse than a captain who's been through a time <laughs> hole. <laughs> time hole. Right. <laughs> can we, can we put some, some yellow tape around that? There's a time hole right there. Exactly. <laughs> let everybody know. Uh, let, should we post a sign or something? I don't know. Okay, I, um, I have to uh, excuse myself just for one right. quick moment. Pause. So yeah, I like how when when they, uh when Data fires all the tachyons at their shields, they're just kind of like, Meh, whatever. <laughs> hey, he's he's messing up our shields. <laughs> oh, why would he be doing that? Meh. <laughs> right. So. Um, Data's firing all these tachyons and everything. R- R- Rofo's like, um, let's just activate the injector, push the button, push the button. Everybody's like, Yeah, let's push the button. And then so a they push the button. Glow. Oh. oh, that's right. There was a weird glow with the tachyons <laughs> hit. <laughs> Which again, everyone's just like, huh oh, that's, that's weird. <laughs> Why was there a glow? So somebody get up here and have somebody look at the lights. That was weird. Right. <laughs> so they push the button, nothing happens. They're like, hey, it says it was activated. Look look at the the monitor. The monitor says it's fine, but my readings are all screwed. This is weird. And Rafa was like, what's that over there in the corner of the room? I've got nothing else going on right now, so I'm staring at the corner of the room. And he notices that there's a problem with the projectors. In, or well he notices there's a problem with the wall and therefore hollow projectors and therefore we're in a hologram now this is that point when I was like wait a minute Simpsons did it <laughs> or no Tng did it <laughs> well it, it's because this is totally what happened it, it seemed to me that you do know when you've been transported from one place to another even if the surroundings you would still assume somebody at least attempted to beam you out well, if you're Reginald Barkley, you do. Because Reginald Barkley sees things swimming around in transporter <laughs> beams. But everybody else, apparently, they go comatose for a minute. Which, I gotta imagine, there's a point when, you know, like, once your brain has been dematerialized, your eyes don't actually see anything anymore. And then once you rematerialize, you start seeing again. So I guess if everything's in front of you, there's the same, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it seemed it... Uh- it seemed it's it seemed a little odd that that they would be able to get away with this. It, I get from a writing standpoint, it would be really really cool. Yeah. But it it seems from the world of Star Trek that it's like I don't we would have seen the effect would be you know the 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 sparkly effect or something other than just wow the lights really turned up there for a second. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that the next generation tv show they came or they came up with better writing um oh wow interestingly enough this was actually written by berman and pillar who also wrote for next gen yeah so they just were doing it fast and not good uh because in next gen they actually compensated for that and every time they transported somebody without their knowledge it was well, Let's do it when they're sleeping, right? Right, exactly. Right? Yes, because then they won't notice. But this time they did it without them being asleep, so I don't know. Maybe they were trying to hide it with the being fired upon. All I can guess is that the um, the whole ship had much, 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 much better transporters than and transporters that were specifically uh, these were these were section. These were section 31 transporters. There's a section. 31. Yeah. All right. I always get Talk those numbers mixed up. I don't know. These were clandestine hey, it's a, transporters. It's a hollow designed. ship. Who knows what those things were built for or why or whatever. Well, yeah. The whole, the whole concept of the ship's like, why does the ship exist? <laughs> well, I'm going to guess that it's a compact form of a, like a civic center. That like, if you want to have conventions, (laughs) you you shove them in here because you can have the entire uh, presentation floor and nobody realizes that they're all on top of each other because you know, close quarters anyway. (laughs) kind of like that idea. They're like, Oh, Oh, let's go to the auditorium. We're going to see the, the new release of the, the new Dustbuster phaser. <laughs> oh, it will <that'll> be great. <laughs> it has a, you know, like a we work thing on the side of the, you know, it's like right. on the, the, <laughs> the, the real problem is, is, is that when, you know, a couple of the, the conference goers go up to their hotel room to have a little fun and then there's a malfunction and they realize that they're doing that in the middle of a giant crowd of people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I overplayed that one in my head a little bit. Like, I think I just wrote a whole episode. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> audio only. Audio
1: only.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Worf's on the Sona ship with Picard. Why? I don't. I don't know. Because he is. Yeah, they beamed him up for some reason. So now Rafa is going to go to the injector itself to manually activate. Cause if there's one thing you can always do, it's manually activate. <laughs> Cause remember you always want to put some sort of manual activation thing inside of these huge things. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Totally. That makes sense. And if you can make sure it's at the top of a spindly catwalk, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you can, you can launch like, you know, uh, you can launch the Atlas, rockets that went to the moon that there was a button just right up there on the catwalk that you just hit if you couldn't do it back I'm oh like, that's yeah, true yeah that's totally yeah it's right outside the door yeah, totally makes sense <laughs> it says launch now <laughs> uh so the the crew of the sona ship shuts down their weapons they've just they're they're like nope we're out <laughs> that's it <laughs> um, unfortunately they, they're going to have to, to figure out how to stop this. Um, so what's Picard going to do? Kirk. Mode. <laughs> Action Picard. <laughs> Yeah. And again, this was if, if only were... they had an Android, that might be a <laughs> yes. good idea. It seems like the Federation's distrust of robots is really, really coming back to to haunt them. Seriously. Like, well, couldn't we send an Exobot over there just to cut the thing off? You know, cut the power off. No. Right? No. I need to go over there and beat him up. I'm also not super clear on why they didn't just shoot it. Oh, because the the um the Enterprise wasn't there and the Sona had shut down the weapons, even though Picard had control of the ship in the bridge so the enterprise is just too far away yeah. okay she'll get there but at this point she's too far away and the sona the sona had shut down the weapons on their own ship so picard was not able to fire oh that's right and they're they don't have a warp core that's right no warp core. Um, so the interior of this place is real weird <laughs> it's like a super tall tower of nothing but like scaffolding and glass i guess. And lots of blue glass because I had a distinct thing of like they're backstage at the Jeopardy set right there. <laughs> I mean that's that's good, but for me it was the Gherkin in London, the uh, that, that giant egg shaped building because it, it just everything had kind of a twist to it, and uh, I don't know. So then they're gonna have a shootout. So yeah, Ruafo and Picard just start just start unloading on each other. And neither one can hit each other worth a dang. So right. It's a good thing that the inside of that uh that station is uh you know phaser proof. <laughs> Which will be very odd coming up here in a few moments, but meanwhile back in the Sona ship, uh the Sona decide that they're gonna retake the bridge for Morph which I'm going to say Worf is a much better fighter since he's been on deep Space nine because true. he did lose this fight, but it took five of the guys to take him down. It wasn't just like one guy hit him a couple of times and he just crumbled um, and nobody broke his arm. <laughs> <laughs> so while this is happening now, we look, t- we look to the West on the seventh day or the third day or whatever. Gandalf said, <laughs> the enterprise is high tilling it back. And all of a sudden it doesn't seem to have any problems running to impulse engines in the Briar patch anymore, which was always a problem not. before, but now we need to save Picard, So everything's working fine. The enterprise always comes up with that little bit extra when it comes to saving exactly that's that's how engineers work. They don't tell you about the extra 10%. <laughs> now we're going to have some uh, enterprises coming in here to have this big fight. Um, Frakes actually had envisioned and had storyboarded a much larger space battle that was going to happen in this whole sequence. But it basically came down to if they were going to complete those sequences, it was going to push the release date out to February. And Paramount was like, this needs to be out before Christmas. Well, that's fair. Because, you know, if Reindeer Games taught us anything, (laughs) it's that you don't release a Christmas movie in February. So this is going to be another one of those leftovers that we're going to see in Nemesis, the big space battle that Frakes won. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to happen in Nemesis. Once again, yeah, it's real bad. lots of things in Nemesis are just things that didn't get in this movie. <laughs> that movie is the candy bag of the entire Star Trek universe. Oh, boy. So. so. <laughs> <sighs> So Kirk's going to do, or Kirk, Picard's going to do his Kirk thing. <laughs> Which is take this thing out, put that thing in, turn that thing, push that thing over and then put that thing in there. Yeah. Right. And there's going to be a turny spinny thing as well. Cause we love turny spinny things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and again, so Picard's doing all this. Rafo sneaks up up behind him and says, Stop. Yeah, which I (laughs) sure, dude, (laughs) Um, why don't you just kill him and be done with it? Listen, there is something when you're, when you go to evil school, (laughs) one of the things they teach you is Starfleet captains are going to use suspense. So we have to counter that suspense (laughs) with overuse of drama and also plan telling. So I'm going to have to give you some more information before I can kill you. It's just the rules. I, I just love that just about 20 minutes earlier, he was okay with putting Picard in an unshielded part of the ship when all the radiation was going to hit him. But shooting the guy at the back is just, that's a bit too far I'm not even doing. That. That's dirty pool, sir. <laughs> Once again, evil the masterminds addiction to drama ends up being his own undoing. <laughs> Now, you put a a note in here that I have to agree with wholeheartedly. What is it with movies going, stop or I'll shoot? (laughs) If you're really a bad guy, just shoot. (laughs) It's like, you're wasting time. Right? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. And so Picard tells him, like, well, you can shoot me. But you might uh you might ignite the exhaust that's all around. You guys have just been unloading on each other for like seven minutes now. Yeah, it's really convenient. May maybe they actually shot the exhaust pipe and now it's leaking. There we go. Uh, there's our justification. Right. <laughs> so Riker's like, screw this. I'm just gonna ram them. <laughs> I'm gonna ram them. <laughs> Yeah, he's, <laughs> Riker sets a collision course for the Sona ship and says, well, we're going to take out their life support, their their weapons and their life support. And then he just barrels right towards them. It's the Enterprise. You can shoot from thousands of kilometers away. and Right? Which, I mean, still, I go back to why didn't they just shoot the probe in the first place, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, but also, they don't have a warp course. They're going real slow at this point. I think it'd be cool if the Sona ship was just like, you know, we're out. I'm going to, I'm going to go Z and just get out of your way here. So when you try to ram me, I'm just going to be like, no, mm, no. Uh, Toro, Toro. It's not happening, dude. So of course, Picard's going to detonate the injector. He's, he's had enough. Uh, Ruffo, dude, you're not my problem anymore enjoy your injector <laughs> and he beams out yeah okay now this is a this is also kind of a uh, jerk move by riker as well he could have beamed rufalo out as well he could have he did but it wasn't gonna <laughs> i di- i take it i take it riker wasn't super happy about having to eject the, the warp car earlier <laughs> it's like right. you know what dude <laughs> he's like while well, you're at it I'm going to give you Jordy. <laughs> so then they, they do a flyby of the injector while it's exploding. They've got to just narrowly escape this thing, even though they had to actually fly in close to get that dangerous. So I, I, I don't really get I, it. Yeah. they they It would have been nice if somewhere they would have mentioned that all the briar, briar patch stuff affected phasers as well and that would have like cleaned up a lot of this, but instead it just looks like Riker is just doing this to be cool. I'm right. flying really close to it. You know what I like to do before I blow stuff up? Fly really close to it. I don't know. Either that or he's really not good at flying <laughs> <laughs> but He drives stick terribly. But then like any cool hero, the Enterprise walks away as the thing that it just blew up is behind it blowing up. Of course. That's what heroes do. It's true. It's true. All right. This has been just too, too much drama. I can't take it anymore. Do we have any happy endings? Tons of them. (laughs) Let's wrap this up in a tidy little bow. Shall we? Federation council is going to review the situation just because Riker (laughs) told him, Hey, you should review the situation. Dude, this thing ends like such an episode of TNG. I just needed a voiceover of Picard being like, I'm, you know, stardate, seven, five, three, four, three. Everything's fixed. Roll credits. I always love that about the episodes. It was always Picard's voiceover with like, yeah, everything's fine now. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that was weird. Anyway. I know, right. And all was fixed. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so the Federation Council is going to review the situation. <laughs> yeah, that's always good uh-huh. news. Oh, good, a committee, a political committee. Right. Yay. Well, and didn't the Admiral already say the Council knew all about it? Yeah, but big Will Riker, the guy who saved them from the Borg, said, look at it again. So what you're saying is he called his daddy? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, probably. Yeah, right. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> My captain has a girlfriend and they're going to kill her. Right. I <laughs> uh, the gonna soda surrender. Gonna take her house. That was the, you'd not even kill her. They're going to take her house. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote here, the soda surrender due to lack of air. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> they need some life support. Uh, Worf tells Riker, Hey, you know what? You know, go after you, you and Deanna are good you guys you guys make a good couple totally ignore the fact that I dated her for a year it's it's awful. right I think Riker should have gone toe-to-toe with him and be like yeah well you know what I dated her first <laughs> I I really say like, about that you know what I slept with Dax <laughs> gross <laughs> gross <laughs> wait which one <laughs> <laughs> which all of them? Because Worf, Worf wanted Jadzia, but he, but he couldn't, uh, he couldn't get Ezra interested, right? Yeah, Ezra and him just yeah. were not, not compatible. So if Riker had been like, you know, I, I slept with Ezra, he'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> sad Worf. Let's see, Gallatin um, gets to go home and see his mom. Yay, mommy! And he sh- and, and whatever her name is, ask Anja, John Anja, Luke, Anja? Hey, why don't you just hang around? And John Luke's like, um, yeah, I-, I got some oh, stuff going on right now. Dude. And, um, yeah, and, uh, I got a thing. Uh, hey, you want to get together Listen, on vacation? You're you're great. <laughs> I but I can't be penned in like this. You know, Picard, he got a roam. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But, yeah, I'm going to come back for touch-ups. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, Let's see. Uh- oh, snap. Did Picard grow a new heart? Oh. Oh. His, His heart, heart grew hurt. three oh, times oh, its oh, normal oh, size that day. <laughs> my heart hurts. Oh, oh, oh. He died four <laughs> times. <laughs> And of course, Data plays with the, you know, has a play date with the little boy. So we're happy about that. (laughs) Now, one of the things that hit the cutting room floor, unfortunately, in this ending was there was actually a scene shot with Quark on this planet inquiring about setting up a resort. Okay. I saw that you wrote that in there and I thought that was a joke. You're telling me they actually filmed that? A couple of things said, yeah, it it was actually that was actually wow a good film. that's kind of crazy i mean they could write an entire series on like they do a ds9 style series of everybody setting up around this planet and like you know all the medical advances and everything and or just you know setting up a rise like atmosphere on the other side of the planet where people show up and ah, oh, i feel refreshed i'm ready to go heck yeah, you know, you know there's rich people in the federation that this would have happened oh yeah like somebody's gonna turn or gonna build a resort there where you go and or not a resort, it'll be a uh, a retreat. <laughs> <laughs> no technology allowed. Please welcome well, yourself to Quark Tower. Quark Tower, the finest <laughs> establishment ever seen. You're gonna love this. People love the Quark Tower. Listen, you take some time. Come on down to Quark Gardens. (laughs) When when you're hanging out in Quark Gardens, you're going to feel great. (laughs) Only three strips of Latinum per hour. (laughs) All right. Well, that is Star Trek Insurrection. Such as it is. Um, It's a movie. (laughs) Um, It actually exists. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's it's really not that bad. Um, It's... It's just not a very good movie. It's a great episode of Star Trek. Yes, it's entertaining. It's the story is just filled with with holes. Yeah, and somebody threw the the show bible out the window. Yes, I, uh, it, it was aggravating at times. But you know, we we got new villains. We got to laugh at those new villains because they're pretty silly, and uh, we got to dream about the possibilities of the Fountain of Youth. So. Does that mean they were the Conquistadors? Ah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> we're not even to say next little colonization possibilities here. <laughs> right? It's terrible. Uh, so next time, unfortunately, we're going to have to do Nemesis. Oh, no. It's so the bad. The TNG movie series ends on a dark, dark note. Right? But, you know, with a big buff Romulan guy. <laughs> You you got Tom Hardy. You got Ron Perlman. Spoiler alert. Some people are related to each other. (laughs) Dun, dun,
1: dun. It's terrible.
0: (laughs) Anyway, we'll watch that one next. Um, In the meantime, thank you everybody for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Adios. I did want to take a minute and say thank you to our friends over at five year mission for the use of their song. Beam down as our intro and outro music. Thank you. Uh, please make sure you head on over to five and check out their stuff. Uh, they do uh, a song for every episode of the original series and group them together into albums for each season. It's really cool stuff. Really um, cool. Also just found out you can get them on Apple music as well. And- Please help support them. They are really, really cool. Uh, With that said, we will talk to you all next time. Talk to you next time.